Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Oh, it's a bad day. It's a bad year. It's a bad life. How many of you have said that through your coming out process, waking up in the morning, just like, I don't want to go to work, or maybe you just went through a bad breakup. Whatever it is, we all do this, right? It's like, it's bad, 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 bad. But what if you realize it's all about how things can get better, come together if you just hold on, if you just take it and look at it one day, you will actually be able to look back on this and go, yeah, I'm in a much better place. Well, that's where we're going today because our guest today has been in musicals and does music, writes music, sings, all this beautiful stuff. And he has found through all his twists and turns in life that, you know what, it may be a bad day, it may be a bad month, it may even be a bad year, but no matter how he looks at it, he has found that he's going to get to a better place. And I'm really looking forward to bringing you another singer-songwriter who is using his music for good and helping people really find themselves in their own world, whatever that looks like, to bring you some joy, give you some new music to listen to, and to help you just go, hey, I feel a little more inspired. So welcome to the podcast, Kyle Motzinger. He's got a brand new um, song out called Bad Years. That's the reason Rick was going bad, 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 bad. Now you all figured it out. And Kyle, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I haven't had you. I'm just introducing you. So oh, <laughs> you know, well, here wow. we go. Okay. <laughs> here we all go. Right. But thanks, um, thanks so, for clarifying for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but we can play around like that too. I mean, we can have some fun here, but um. <laughs> You've been doing this for a while, man. I mean, you you kind of have been in the music biz and doing your stuff. So how many years now? See, I recorded the, the first album in, uh, well, I came out with it in 2017 okay. um, and was recording it before that. So I guess I've really just been in the business since 2017. Okay. Um, but I guess that's the before times. So that's, you know, what, 20 years ago now? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. Before you could really turn back time, right? So, uh, right, yes. Oh, but do you feel like, I mean, I would assume just like what I did on the research and everything, music's always kind of been a part of who you are and what you've aspired to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, music and theater and music theater, you know, it's all been sort of like a jumbling around in my brain for many, many years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, what was like, okay, it's been jumbling around, jumbling around. And now I really need to just do my, I need to do my thing. I want, I want to do my music my way. What was the impetus for that? Um, you know, I, I listened to, it was an ex that got me into Tori Amos. Um, a, a lot of people might know her and, and I adore her, um, but I didn't know her music and it's very um, confessional and very raw and, it was when I first heard her music, um, you know, probably 10 years ago that something clicked in me and I thought, you know, I can write what I'm going through. And if I'm having mm. 
you know, a bad day or a bad year. I can write about that. Um, and so that's what I started to do. And not, not just the bad, also the good. You know, if, if there's something I'm feeling excited about or, you know, if, if I'm feeling sassy or if I, if I like what I'm wearing, I can write about that. Um, and um, so that was really kind of when the floodgates opened. And I was doing a cabaret at the Duplex, um, which is a cabaret theater in New York. And um, I decided to kind of write original songs for it. And the night that we that I did the show and I had a little kind of I had drums and and a guitar with me, um, I just felt like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I love theater. I love all other things. But this is what I want to really focus my time on. I've spent a few nights in the duplex hanging over the piano and stuff. So I can totally relate. Uh, It's one of the greatest places. It's literally one of my favorite bars in New York to like go. I mean, I have a lot of, you know, New York bars are so eclectic, right? You either got the one where you just like, like the duplex. I love just hanging there. Then of course you have your shishi ones like, okay, if you're (laughs) going to show people off in New York, but um, it's, it's such an interesting space because there's a vibe number one there that just kind of, it always kind of makes you feel kind of like the neighborhood warm, you know, place. And I've seen some amazing performers there. And um, so now I'm like, oh, this is a guy who's been there. So um, <laughs> what, was, what was like your first inclination for you? I know as a child, as someone growing up, like I know this is who, this is who I am within myself, not just, you know, being gay or anything, but like music is in my blood. Where did that start for you? Well, you know, I was doing um, I was doing theater at a, at a community theater. I was doing I was singing in the choir in school. You know, I was doing things like that. And I remember um, I had a little diary that I would like write <laughs> kind of, you know, really bad lyrics in. But mm-hmm. they, but it was me trying to write my own little pop songs, you know, not right. even the music, just the words. Um, and so I think then I sort of knew that that there was something maybe that I could maybe write something one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I, you know, I got my first piano in, I think, seventh or eighth grade. And I remember I started to write little tiny things on the piano. Um, even before I really learned how to play the piano very well, I was sort of making up things. And I think that's when it kind of occurred to me that there was something there. There was something there, but here you are in a little conservative town in Illinois. How was that? <laughs> well I mean probably as you could expect um you know it was cornfields and bean fields and you know my town had 500 people in it and I took a bus to another town to go to school uh, a bit a little bit bigger of a town and um you know it it was very funny because you know uh, I have always sort of had this accent I didn't like get rid of any accents but like, you know, um, so a kid that lived like in the country and also went to the same school would be like, well, hi, Kyle, how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's like, why, why do you have a southern drawl? Right. You live like, you know, down the street, um, down the road. Um, so, you know, it was it was just kind of a weird kind of area. And, you know, at, at the time, I didn't really know how conservative it was because, you know, I didn't really think for myself very much then yet. And so, um, especially before I knew that I was gay, it was sort of like, well, this is life, I guess, you know. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> I was also seeing, you know, movies with New York and big cities and things like that. 
And I, and I did, you know, have an inkling, oh, there's, you know, there's something kind of cool out there that I want to be a part of one day. Um, but that was so far off at the time. It is interesting when you grow up in those spaces. I grew up in, a, well, I grew up in a lot of places, but I grew up in a small farm community in Colorado. And I actually, yes, I went to a one-room schoolhouse. So that that's not something a lot of people can say. Of course, I'm 59 years old and people are like, well, you're a dinosaur. So no wonder you went to a one-room no, schoolhouse. But uh, <laughs> it was an interesting thing because I remember doing a school musical so to speak, that I wrote and did the music and everything for, and everybody did it. And I just remember the exhilaration of that, right? Yeah. And there was probably the first inkling of, I mean, I I was already experiencing my lovely little gay flame, right? Like, oh, there's something different here, right? But when you're a farm boy in a farm community, that sure the heck isn't going to come out. Nor did I really get, understand it. I mean, I had a gay uncle, but that was even kind of like, well, nobody really talked about it, you know? Yeah, well, I did too. And I, but I didn't know that about that until after I had even come out, nobody mm -hmm. talked about it. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, my uncle that lived in, in uh, LA <laughs> that, that, you know, moved there years ago and, and sometimes visited, but not much. Right. So right. well, uh, mine was always, yeah. well, uncle, uncle Will and his friend, Bill, you know, uh -huh. and yeah, it was just one say. of those. Yeah, you know, it was one of those situations. They always were at the family events and everything. I mean, this was we lived in Northern California at the time. But I just remember it's like, oh, he, everybody thought they were just the greatest, the greatest. But then as soon as they'd walk out of the room, like, oh, you know, they're just so, you know, they're so weird. There's just blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, this isn't computing here. You know, please help me understand. But um, then in my own world, kind of like what I think you've experienced as I got into high school, college, the, you know, the performer in me, of course, it was mostly church choir, but there was other stuff that like, this stuff is coming to life, you know, and then especially when I got to college, even though I went to a church college, um, I remember our, our play director. And now I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced he was gay. He was married and everything, but I'm like, Oh yeah, I know he had to have been hiding his gayness too. And of course all this came up and suddenly it's like, okay, so now it's like almost like a sin to be creative and artistic and all this sort of stuff. So how, how did that influence like, Hey, you're going to, I know you got a BFA, you know, in music theater and all that from Western Illinois, but when was that moment you realized, okay, I'm going to do this. This is who I'm going to be. But it also like, and my gayness shows up. Did they kind of show up hand in hand or, you know, what was that journey like? Well, yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, yeah. Well, when I decided to really go for musical theater and, and pursue that as a career um, in college and, and, and to, you know, be in the musical theater department, um, I was also suddenly around, you know, other interesting people, some that were like me and, you know, I did some experimentation <laughs> and uh, no, you didn't uh, experiment. Well, no, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> In those little music rooms where all there is is a piano, a little window. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> At least well, that was my experience. <clears throat> no, the first, well, no, mine was a country road uh, with the, oh, with there the you moon go. hanging overhead. Yeah, it was very romantic. Oh, of course, go so, ahead. Yeah. Make it very romantic. I talk about a music <laughs> room with a window. No, Rick, mine was moonlight and cornfields and. <laughs> Oh, what's that furry thing? Oh, that's his butt. Okay, so we're getting off track. Here, but, um, <laughs> but no, it is it is interesting to see how 
all that stuff culminates, but yet it's actually so part of the entire score, so to speak. See how I threw that little musical thing in there? It's part of the I score. I like it. I yeah. like that. Um, no, I mean, you know, I think when you're trying to figure out who you are, that that's all parts of you, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, ta- I, I referenced earlier that there's, there's a, a moment when you're younger when you really kind of don't have your own opinions yet. You kind of are just like very moldable to whoever's around you. And then as you get older, you know, starting probably later high school and going into college, you start really coming into your own, like, what do I want? What do I think Mm -hmm. about these things? And so, you know, when it came to what I really wanted to do, um, theater and who I wanted to do. (laughs) There we go again. You know, it was all sort of the, it it all kind of came together at the same time. It really did. Um, I haven't really thought of it like that, but yeah, that's definitely what happened. Well, it does. And I, I remember when I did get to college and I'm like, and again, very, lovely church college you know (laughs) let me put my little you know church boy outfit on um well i I started really so yeah oh well so you're well ahead of me i was a seven-day Adventist, so we didn't do the altar boy thing but you know it's like okay we're showing up and you know and then of course you know the play director musical theater guy i'm like okay gotta be And it's so funny now, so many of the guys that I was in those productions with now that were in our adult life, they're like, yeah, hello, girl, I'm gay, too. I'm like, oh, well, no shit. <laughs> All of us were hiding, right? <clears throat> but it was also in those moments when I started to realize this is just another step of me coming into my own, to coming into my truth, to being who I want to be, even though it came much later for me, <clears throat> I did come out in college and then went back in because of pressure and everything. And then when I did finally come out, it really made a lot of sense. And there was so much I can tie it back to those experiences of trying to be creative myself and all that sort of stuff. And in similar to you, because I know kind of in your thirties is when the frustration started to like mount and you're like, I'm not where I want to be. And all this sort of stuff kind of got funneled into your music. Same thing happened for me, except I didn't funnel into my music. I funneled it into my work and like all these other things. So as you started funneling those frustrations, is that where the, you know, the beginning of the whole bad years album came to life was in that time frame? Cause you know, it says you're mid thirties. I'm looking at you going, he just turned 30. I just, he's not even there. I'm, I know I'm like, okay, I'm really working my guest right now. Yeah. Know? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Good. I love it. Um, uh, tell me more about how young I look. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, yeah, I think so. You know, well, it, you know, I, I had kind of gone through like, a, you know, my first album was very much the beginning of really introspection and like trying to figure mm-hmm. stuff out, just like up until that point. And then, um, you know, a, a couple of just a couple of years went by and then we're like into the pandemic. And that's when like, you know, I really started taking stock and I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties now. Like I, you know, I don't know that I'm where I want to be like, and, you know, I think maybe as gay men or, or queer people in general, you know, we sometimes feel a little like, bit like we're behind, yep. um, you know? And so I think that kind of is part of it too. And so I think there was just a lot of frustration and I was also at a point where I was just like, I don't know what to write about. Like I'm not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I can't write a bunch of love songs. I mean, I can, but it won't be authentic. Well, it won't be genuine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, so well, you, you, one, you could write about, you could write about STDs. I mean, hello. <laughs> 
true. Just me just and every, my every yeah. Every song you know? is a different STD. I love right, it. Perfect. Exactly. That'll be the next. Well, song. that would work at the duplex. Like, okay, yeah. we're gonna do song yeah. songs of STDs. Yeah. Right. My my uh, mother will love that album. Right. Exactly. Um, oh, look at my son. He's getting a Grammy for an STD. You know. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Finally. Um, no. So. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, there was uh, the frustrations. And, you know, once I, I decided that, you know, I better write about these frustrations that I'm happening. That's when, again, the floodgates open and then I'm just writing all these songs. And and um, yeah, that's kind of how that worked for me. It's interesting when we start to see in different creative realms, because I've, I've interviewed a lot of different creatives, of you know, singers, songwriters, comedians, all this sort of stuff in our lgbtq space and even some not in our lgbtq space how those bits of conflicts frustrations where we found ourselves they show up and i think most of the creative geniuses that we are from broadway musicals to everything it's because of a frustration or a conflict or something that we found ourselves in that said this needs to get released so that in our own way we're saying you're not alone you're not alone. Everybody's had a bad year. Everybody's had a bad day. Everybody's found themselves up against the wall. I mean, my thirties were some of the, I guess, best and most chaotic years of my life because that's, I came out in my mid thirties. They were the best because I was flying high and in a really great career at that time, but I was also freaking miserable and hiding myself. <clears throat> and then once I did come out, it was, you know, 10 years later when I finally put all that creative juices into a book, but it felt so good to finally, okay, here we are, you know, here it is. So what would you say for you, bad years is done for you as a person? Well, I like all the bad years, all 30, because you're just, you're just 30 something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but like, what is bad years really done for you as a person, like in letting go of stuff? Helping you see yourself. What are those sort of things that it's done for you? Well, I'd like to think that it's made me stronger. And some days I do feel that. Well, you you are um, kind of rocking some biceps there. Just going to say the listeners can't see. Ah, that, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Try and uh, <laughs> I also uh, I work um, across the street from the duplex at Marie's Crisis, where oh. I sometimes I'm carrying boxes of beer. You know, there that's, you go. that's mm-hmm. the, that's the hustle. That that's what there's you, the you hustle. Know, your listeners, yeah, there's a hustle that you have to do the absolutely to afford to make the music um uh yeah so i'd like to think you know some days i do feel stronger some days i don't um mm-hmm. you know i you know those doubts creep in um but i do feel like i'm getting to a point now where i'm managing them better than i was um you know i'm overcoming things quicker you know the anxieties that creep in well, i'm also on lexapro every day so shout <laughs> out to lexapro um but you know <laughs> But but I'd like to think that without that, I'm also sort of like, um, you know, kind of getting through those little things that pop up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I'd like to think that the bad years really have, you know, changed me for the better. Um, I don't always feel that in every moment, but I do right. feel like I do feel like I'm kind of coming out of that um, mm-hmm. on the other side of things. I think I'm a big proponent of I think you have to go through something to get out of something. So um, I'm not afraid to talk about the bad things in order to get to the good things. Well, without, without talking about our bad, and I, because I coach, coach gay men, so I'm not calling them bad, just saying, if we don't talk about the bad, we can't get to the good. 
If we don't release yeah. it out of ourselves, we can't get there. And, you know, whether it's therapy or coaching or whatever, it's one of the power of those modalities is helping people like, you know, express yourself, so to speak. Right. And as gay men, not saying the lesbians and the bi people and trans and all that, I'm not saying you don't do it, but I, I'm speaking from our experience as gay men. We have been told, do not express yourself, you know, and as, a, as men, we're like, just don't as express. men. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just as we, men. That's been an overriding theme of don't express, you know? Um, but yet there's so much power when we can open up and say, here's my battle and here's what I'm thriving through. And here's, here's how I'm persevering. Not so much from like, yeah, yeah, raw me, you know, but it's like, Hey, I've really been kicked down and here's where I'm at. I, I literally this morning got a message from, so I have another podcast too, that's just geared towards guys 40 years old and older. So you can't be on that one yet. Cause you're just 30 something, but um, you know, darn it. You'll get there. One day. Don't <laughs> rush it. Um, you know, in 20 years, I'll get there. Exactly. In 20. Cause he just turned 20. So um, uh-huh, sure. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But um it was really inspiring because he said, I just listened to the podcast today about, you know, you know, don't diss the disabled gay guys, disabled gay guys are lovers and, you know, they like sex and everything too. And it was just reaffirming to me. Yeah. Just do this because you write the, the songs, bad years to let somebody know you're not alone. You are not alone. I do the podcast to say, you're not alone. You do a book, you do whatever it is you do. You show up to work as your own self in your own way as a gay person. It shows people you are not alone. And I think that's, that's the important and, note. And that's who I am as a person. That's who I, I am as an artist. And, you know, there's a lot of artists that that, that don't focus on those things that, that would rather give you an escape. And there's right. nothing wrong with that. I love that too. I love a good ex- escape. Uh, it's a dance to something, you know. But right. um, But sometimes... But I think I I made a decision that I was going to be somebody who would just talk about everything, good and bad. Mm. And so if you're going to do that, you you have to do it all the way. You can't just, mm. you know, half-ass that. You have to really go for it. So I know bad years came out of a lot of your own personal struggles and joys. What's one of the things that you would say is one of your greatest joys in life? I think um, at the moment, it, it is definitely music, my music being able to to share that with people, even even sharing other people's music. I, I also sing at Marie's Crisis in New York and uh, I'm doing that tonight actually. I'll be I'll get to do a couple solos for the room. Well we better we better wrap this thing up bitch so you can get ready. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um so yeah, so I'll get a chance to really like, you know, perform for people and and whether it's my music or not, I, I just love entertaining and and sharing that with people and so I think that's the biggest joy really for now. I mean, is, is, is that, you know, getting to share that with, with a group of people. Um, I love that. And it keeps me going. It really does. What would you say is one of been one of the biggest struggles in life? Other Money. than trying to just, okay. You got, <laughs> high five. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, really, you know, cause here's the thing, like I, I can't share um, music with people if I can't afford to make it, or if I can't, you know, if I have to work some, you know, big long hour job and not get to perform for people. So, um, you know, money is, is, is great when you have it and terrible when you don't. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, when you get that <laughs> when you get that bill from the doctor's office going, oh, you went to a doctor that wasn't in network. Well, why the fuck didn't you tell me this? And then it's like, great, nine hundred dollars. Sure, thank you. Um, so yeah, but I think yep, it is yep. one of those moments where not just one, but the. I, I just finished writing book number two, and I was talking to a friend about it, and they're like, so like, what are you most happy about about this? I'm like, well, it's different than book one, number one, because it, book one was my coming out story and how to get through your coming out in midlife, all this. I said, this one's different. It's like taking my my thoughts of like, how do you be that person who lives an unapologetic life, like on a daily basis? What does it mean? And what are the trials of showing up and being just unapologetically who you are? But also, what are the joys of getting past that, you know, and realizing that there's so much freedom and like not giving a damn what other people think, you know? Right. And I, I think for all those of us who are creatives, the road of the ups and downs, not that we all don't have them as humans, but sometimes because we're so creative when we put our hearts and souls into these things. And then when it doesn't go anywhere, it's hard not to take that and go great so why did i just spend all this fucking time doing this you know but no i i get it i mean you know um it's the the new song's been out for a couple weeks i think right now on spotify i'm stuck at like 110 listens i'd like Mm. it to be more (laughs) i'll go listen right after this actually i'm Ah, one of your 100 i'm one of your 110 so there you go but but it is okay so it's kind of like podcasts you know i for a while there i'm like Wow, a hundred people downloaded the podcast. Wow, a hundred people down. And like, why the fuck am I doing this? Yeah. And then so suddenly, to, yeah, it started taking off, and then it started taking off more and more and more and more. And but there's times when like- I look at it and go, "Wow, nine thousand downloads. When did that happen?" You know. And then the next time I look at it, I'm like, "Well, shit. There's only been." 5,000 this time. What's that? You know, but so you better be doing this. This is going to be a good one because we're having fun. So usually when we have fun on the podcast, people listen and they download more and they're like, go listen to these bitches. They were pretty funny, you know, but um, I do. I do want to say, though, I think, though, that we have to be grateful for those hundred people or those five. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm very grateful, but we but we always want more, (laughs) especially, you know. Especially when, you know, when you spend thousands and thousands of dollars recording or, or, mm-hmm. or writing or, you know, all the book fees yep. probably, you know, yep. I think, um, but again, if you love what you're doing and you love sharing it, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of worth the empty bank account sometimes. I'm mm-hmm. saying that now, but you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll re- I'll you remember, know. I will remember this when Kyle calls me and says, Rick, weren't you a life coach? Listen, my bank account's really empty. I need some help. I'm like, bitch, you said on the podcast, you're really grateful even when the bank uh, account's empty. <laughs> there you go. There's your life coaching moment. Bye-bye. Yeah, Thank you. Have a yeah. night. No, I'm kidding. I but know, it is. I'll those moments <laughs> are, no, you won't because that's part of the, that's part of the truth. There are the moments where you, okay. So I know some of my listeners have heard me say this, but you could take everything else away from me, literally. Well, except my kids and my husband. I better throw that in so he sticks around. Don't take my podcasts away. Yeah, I love doing my podcasts. You could take my books away. That would hurt a little bit. But okay, coaching, yeah. If I didn't get to coach, I would miss it. But I love doing this. I love having fun. I love sharing and imparting wisdom. I love having guests who who bring smiles to people's face, who make people cry, who make people see that beautiful space that they are not alone. 
You know, there's somebody who probably listened to this podcast today and goes, oh, yeah, I was that kid in a little small town too. That was just like, oh my gosh, because these are the moments that I hope we create when we show people to be truly uncloseted in your world is to live your truth, to go be yeah. who you want to be. And that's the important stuff there. So it really is. Yeah. So tell us a little bit without giving away, because I want them to go listen. We're going to tell you a little bit about bad years, folks, but we're only <laughs> going to give you enough because you need to go to Spotify and you need to go listen to it. Okay. But what's at the essence, purest essence of bad years? Bad years in its essence is about uh, the hope that one day you will be in the good years, looking back at the bad years mm-hmm. with kinder eyes, perhaps. And relief. <laughs> I like that. I, think, I, yeah. I like that concept of looking back with kinder eyes because we're so uber fucking critical on so many fronts in our lives. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's days I like today. I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get to go exercise because things have been kind of crazy. And then, you know, now I'm sitting here doing this with you and I, first time I'm really looking, I mean, I've been coaching all day. And so, yes, of course I'm looking at the camera, but this is a little bit different because I'm having like a, a different dialogue. And I'm going, gosh, my man boobs, they're really hanging down today. It's because I didn't get to the gym, you know? But guess what? I got to the gym every day this week. I got out on the bike twice this week and did like some good 10, 15 mile rides. There's so many things that are kinder to look back on rather than that critical, ooh, but you didn't do this, right? Right. And so I love the kind eyes sort of perspective. Plus, okay, I'm just going to say... Kyle's got some kind eyes. He's got some really beautiful blue kind eyes. So take this for what it's worth. Oh, thank you. But don't you believe too, Kyle, looking back is when you appreciate the wisdom of what you've gone through? Uh, Yeah, because I already feel that way about the past now. About, you know, I think about times when I was struggling in the past. And now I look back at those those times and think, yeah, I needed to go through that. I need to learn Mm -hmm. that lesson. Like I wasn't so bad off back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked great in that shirt back then. I didn't think mm-hmm. so that day that I wore it. Right. But, you know, I think you do. And and so I think there is, um, once you start realizing that, I think that does help in the moment too. Because now you are now you think, you know, five, down, five years down the road, I'm going to look back on this and think, yeah, it looked really good then. <laughs> I was, you know, I knew what I was doing then. I sort of had an idea of what was happening around me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think that just takes time. You know, I don't think you realize that when you're 17 or 25, even, you know, it takes time you know, you, to learn that. You don't, you don't even realize it sometimes when you're 50. I mean, I, I am, I'm 59. I recently had a stroke and a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe it. I'm like, well, you know what? I had one three years ago. So I'm actually looking at this through a completely different lens. Like, you know what? Hey, I'm a twice stroke survivor here. So I feel pretty damn lucky. And the lens that I now look through this whole thing through is a completely different lens. The first time, I mean, both times I was very lucky because it, it happened and it was done and I was back up and going this time. Not, I mean, I'm lucky. It's not like, Hey, no residuals quote per se, there's definitely some a little bit slower and think like, what's your name? No, I'm kidding. I know what your name is. <laughs> but um, but when I compare the first one to this one, I'm like, you know what? I rebounded like a motherfucker that first time. I mean, I was like, boom, let's go. We're home, right? 
This time I was, I rebounded good too, but I could look through this with a lens of, oh my God, oh my God, which I'm very cognizant of that now. But I look back and I'm like, pretty freaking amazing journey. You know, I got to make it a, a second go around here. And sometimes I think even when we get brought to our knees, whether it's an empty bank account or health things or a bad breakup or whatever it might be, a wrong note when you're singing at the duplex or, you know, you learn, you learn and you appreciate. Yeah. And I hope that's what people are really taking away from this conversation is you can have the bad moment, the bad day, the bad hour, the bad year, the bad month, whatever, take it in and learn from it. And make absolutely yeah and to learn so what's kind of fun after so all what's so what's next more of bad well, years i mean i know it's more <laughs> of like a several kind of uh, you know several stories so to speak but where are you going from there yeah there's more stories i want to tell that kind of go along with this uh, you know i have stories about um feeling like an imposter sabotaging yourself I oh nobody's things. ever felt that that's just no, you man yeah, it's only yeah. you. You're the only human in the world who's an imposter. But but you know, other some also some fun things where like the I think the album is going to be called Dangerously Uncool, which is a song on there, and nice. that's uh, and that's a kind of a owning the the uncoolness mm. and kind of being cool because of it. And that's my that's the other kind of song I like to write. I like to write empowering things too. I like that. So. So yeah, so there's more stuff coming. Um, again, that pesky bank account that I have to <laughs> refill from these jobs. Right. So, um, but that's that's coming, and I'm very excited. I you know we, I got to a point where we laid all the band tracks down. Uh, there's a string quartet, as you can hear on Bad Years. Spoiler right. alert. Uh, and there's also that on a couple other songs. Um, my band's just amazing. So you know a lot of them have done Broadway shows and. And all sorts of things. So um, awesome. I'm really excited about what's coming next. Well, maybe maybe when you finally hit 40, <clears throat> you'll have something. No, I'm kidding. You know, I, want, <laughs> I, want to say, I always love getting to talk to artists and see where they're going and what what they've done and where they see themselves going. And um, I had the a shocking privilege to interview. Um, samantha gibb maurice gibb's daughter a few months ago <clears throat> and to see her journey since her father passed and doing tribute tours with her uncles and stuff with him and doing some of his songs and then seeing her doing her own stuff and just the genuineness and the struggles and the challenges it is of being a a, a child of a very well-known you know musician but yes, she's beautifully carving her way and owning her stuff and in and, and her own challenges. And I think that's the beauty of when we bring our creative juices to the world, we get our fulfillment. We feel our own, you know, glass half empty, half full, however you want to do it. You feel that quote void but simultaneously you're helping other people fill their voids with what we do. And um, yeah, isn't that great? Good. It is, it is. And to get to have these conversations with someone like you, Kyle, it actually makes me feel very, very blessed to be able to do this because I know there's people out here that need to hear these conversations because they're struggling. Somebody's struggling tonight with a bank account. Trust me, 
somebody somewhere is struggling with that. Somebody else is struggling with some health issues. A lot of people who are listening to this podcast are struggling with coming out to their family or being who they want to be in their sexual identity. And so I appreciate you being one of those that helps bring that message. I would love to have you back as you, well, when you get older, when you grow up a little bit more, come back when you've really, (laughs) but um, as you, as you continue to bring stuff to the market, please plan on coming back and having another great conversation. So where can people find you in the music? I know we've talked about Spotify and stuff, but where's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, I I'm on Instagram. That's a great way to connect. Um, It's just my name, Kyle Motzinger. Um, I have a TikTok. I'm not good at TikTok, but I'm there. <laughs> Hello. High five again. I'm there. And I always yeah. forget. To, I mean, I record these videos because I, I don't like doing it on the fly. It's like, no, let's plan something. And I have this whole bank of videos in my phone. I'm like, oh, shit, it's the end of the day. I probably should have posted a video. And then another day, <laughs> oh, okay, well, I guess I'll get one put up. So, but, um, well, cool. So all that contact stuff will be on the podcast notes folks as well, but Kyle Motzinger, it's M O T S I N G E R Kyle's K Y L E. Make sure you, um, hit him up on Instagram. Um, Spotify is where you can find the music. And, um, again, iTunes is great. Yeah. All the places. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I definitely love to have you back and, um, keep us posted as to your journey. And um, I know you got to get busy, even though nobody's going to hear this for a few weeks. But hey, it is Friday night a few weeks from now, and you got to go perform. So um, yeah, that's uh, exactly. <laughs> but um, thanks so much for being who you are and sharing yourself. And everybody, keep going out there and supporting indie artists and musicians and anyone in the arts, because part of living our life uncloseted is making sure that many of our community, many, many, many of our community are in those art spaces. And the more we can show up fully as ourselves as LGBTQ creatives and artists, the more we keep moving our our little world forward into the bigger world. So um, thanks again, Kyle, so much for a great conversation and um, hope to see you just continue to grow and be successful, man. Thanks, Rick, you too. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted, and never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.